Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Welcome to the podcast. This is Father Michael O'Loughlin along with Father Nathan Goble, who's finishing up his chicken and biscuits. <laughs> you hear that? Delicious. <laughs> that is nasty. All right. Um, it sounds a lot worse than it tastes. Yeah. I hope so. And I'm looking at it. It doesn't look too pretty either. All right. He's talking about the biscuits, not me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So behind my head for the first time, I'm glowing with the halo of bum, 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 Byzantine bum, bum. flag glory. That's right. We had a... Uh, are, we, are we doing shout outs to friends? We can, yeah. All right. Well, I mean, they, they deserve one. They do. Carded all the way back from the land of Greece. The homeland of Greece. Matt Tynan, Matt and Peggy Tynan brought us, uh, bought me two Byzantine flags. Two. One small one for my for my car and <laughs> yeah. my hat home and to maybe use as a blanket to keep me warm at night. And then uh, this big one for the for the wall behind me, which fits perfectly and gloriously. Yep. Sorry, Father John, your uh, Swiss flag has been deposed. We had the, the ceremonial removal of the Swiss flag, mm-hmm. and we played the uh, Swiss national anthem yeah. on the iPhone. When I'll it was have to look down. up the. I'll have to look up the words to the national anthem. Yeah. It was actually pretty. It profound. was. It was beautiful. But it said Switzerland holy. won't be defeated except by the Byzantine. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we we played that as we took down, and then we played. Some Greek esque glory of Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's right. Him while we were putting up the Byzantine one. There it is. So this was the Byzantine one. It was Sorry, up it in just, all of its glory just popped up whenever <laughs> I was. Nice. There you go. That you get an beautiful. idea. Yeah. You get an idea, folks. Slides so Father Michael is fresh off his trip from Rome. Yes. What 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 news from the front? News from the front is that John shaved off his beard. What? You, yeah. Yeah, but you'd already I, seen that, hadn't you? I, but it still freaked me out. Like, <laughs> he, he looks like 20 years younger when he shaves his beard off. Yeah. I think he, he looks, I think he looks better with the beard. He certainly looks more manly, but, but it was just, it was Ouch. kind of. No, I mean, he looks manly anyway, but it was, it was, it was kind of weird. Caught me off guard. But you know what's funny is I was walking around, just, I, I'd left the group I was with for like 10 minutes to go look for coffee. And all of a sudden I heard, Olo, Olo, middle of Rome. Turn mm-hmm. around and there, there's Father John and Andrea walking, walking through the streets. And you hadn't seen him yet? No. Crazy. We were planning on meeting like the next night. So anyway, it was, it was random Rome experience and, it was beautiful. We worked with the missionaries at charity. That was one of the highlights of my life so far. Uh, cool. Washing clothes and bedding. We brought this young man tree, homeless guy, to Rome, and watching his watching him appreciate Europe was a beautiful yeah. experience as well. Yeah, that's yeah, great. Good stuff. Just so, in case you're all wondering, the Swiss the Swiss national anthem. One of the lines um, <clears throat> that that we were impressed by when the morning skies grow red and o'er their radiance shed though thou O lord appeareth in their light when the alps grow bright with splendor pray free swiss pray for you feel and understand for you feel and understand that he dwelleth in this land that he dwelleth in this land in the sunset thou art nigh and beyond the starry sky thou O loving father ever near when to heaven we are departing joy and bliss Thou'lt be imparting, for we feel and understand that thou dwellest in this land. 
Beautiful. I mean, that's that's uh, that's pretty good. That's an awesome national anthem. But it has been deposed. Don't worry, John. I'm bringing your flag over yeah. whenever I come to see you. <laughs> You're gonna get up behind you, and we got to figure out one for rap. Sweden. We do. You know, Sweden. Is that what we want? I'll. I'll I'll vouch for that. All right. Well, we'll Sweden. just get him the. We'll get him like a big bag of Swedish fish and hang it up there. <laughs> just a big Swedish fish flag. <laughs> nice. <sighs> All right. I feel like garbage, by the way, people. Yeah. I was just on retreat with a bunch of high schoolers. Shout outs to uh, Mary, Margaret, Claire, and Jack, uh, as well as any of the other. Oh, and uh, Reese Liker. Booyah. Um, to those guys, I was just up on retreat with them, but I think one of them gave me uh, some sort of plague, so now I'm mm-hmm. down for the count. Yeah. Shout out to them and, and darn you at the same time. Exactly. All right. Glory to Jesus Christ, Father Nathan. Glory forever. All right. So, we, uh, I was That approached. means we're transitioning. <laughs> yeah. I was approached by a young woman a few weeks ago who said go on her her daughter cannot listen to the podcast because of the drinking and whenever she hears the ice in the glass it she's a recovering alcoholic so she had to stop listening for that reason so i decided that we would do one non-drinking teetotaler classy teetotaler uh, podcast so i'm drinking soda water and (coughs) lime and you are drinking water for now. A massive beer stein full of water. Yep. I'm going to switch over to chamomile tea in a bit. Nice. Nice. So I wanted to do a podcast on the the virtue of watchfulness and addiction. So and, and how those two were who were two were tied together. So um my my love of of thinking through addiction and working with people that have addiction started when I was very young because we had this priest in Albuquerque, Roman Catholic priest I grew up with, um, who was pretty much retired by the time I could uh, I could you know, conceive of the world as it is. But but I remember him talking a lot about his alcoholism. He was a recovering alcoholic; it had been for years, and um, he was so incredibly authentic when it came to the real human issues and and the the things he dealt with on a daily basis, the temptations, etc. And he would say things like, "Oh, I can notice an alcohol from a mile away. Like, and if an alcoholic is walking towards me, I can just tell by his gait, by his posture, by the beginning of the conversation that he's not." alcoholic and and I didn't really know I was too young to understand what exactly that meant but there was something that was so sincere and authentic about this priest that I remember when I was probably 7 years old just saying like you know father that's amazing like how do I become an alcoholic like that 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 just sounds like something that anybody would want like if it leads to this much authenticity and sincerity yeah. then it's something that I want and of course he laughed like no 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 you you do not want this this is something that that our lord has has allowed me to come through and is maybe stronger because of it, but don't, don't pray for that. Don't want that. And then he explained, of course, that it, it began with weakness and and all the falls that came before his, his recovery. Um, but even as I got older and I started going to open AA meetings with friends, the friends that were alcoholics, I would always leave those meetings just on an absolute spiritual high. There was just hmm. something I thought, you know what? Every Christian should attend a 12-step program for whatever their addictive sin is. We all have sin. We all have these addictions. And the the people in these AA meetings, these open ones that are open to anybody, they were so authentic and sincere. And I think it was because they were 
they were constantly bombarded by temptations. And like every single day, it was the same temptation. And the way that they were able to fight those temptations and fight them up and fall sometimes, of course, and, and get back up. And But just having an ongoing daily battle that for the most part, if they were at this meeting, they were fighting pretty well. And the fact that they had camaraderie yeah. and companionship with the other members – it was just, it was really amazing to me. And I always thought, you know, I need to go to these more often for, for whatever since I have. And so um, as I started reading more on it, the, I, I discovered the the virtue of watchfulness. This is a, an Eastern Christian concept of that there, there's various uh, types of watchfulness. There's eschatological watchfulness, which is kind of the watchfulness from the scriptures where Jesus says, you know, you know, nor the day nor the hour when, when I will be coming, talking about the coming of Christ, second coming of Christ. <clears throat> We always have to be ready and available. And, you know, if Christ comes now or if I'm going to die right now, I'm, I'm ready. I'm prepared, you know, according to Christian holiness. Um, the second kind, though, is the watchfulness of daily temptations. This is this is a kind of having a guard at the, the gate of our soul. In other words, we're, we're always attentive and watchful for what we're taking in. Um, we know you might call them triggers. You might call them just the temptations that come, whatever we know we struggle with. If we have a watchfulness to make sure that those things don't come even close, we, in a sense, uh, create a buffer zone around the things that we know can lead us into, into habitual sin or the, the sins that already are habitual that we do often and that we do all, almost automatically. Watchfulness is to make sure that we don't even come close to letting those in. Mm. It's it's a point of holiness. It's, it's a virtue to have. Um as I was growing up, I discovered this wonderful man. Um, he's now a venerable, I found out, but a venerable Matt Talbot. Um, John Paul II wrote a paper on him when, when John Paul was in college. Um, so I, I did some research on him. He was in lived in Dublin, Irish kid, a hopeless alcoholic at age of 13. So he, his whole family was alcoholics. Um, at age 13, he was working in a, you know, making wine and boxing wine, et cetera. And so the, uh, he just became an alcoholic very, very young. And so um, he would, as he got, grew older and the problem got worse, he, he would borrow money. He would sell his clothes. He'd sell his boots. Um, at one point, point, he stole a fiddle from a street performer. Um, you know, and, and after stealing and giving out all these things and taking out all these bad loans that he could never pay back because of his alcoholism, um, when he did finally straighten out, and that's why he's a venerable now, but when he did finally get himself clean, um, one of the beautiful things is that he repaid every single loan that he ever took out. He had them all recorded, and then he he searched the streets for this street performer, this fiddler who he'd stolen the fiddle from, and when he couldn't find it, he then pretty much paid as much money as a fiddle would be to the church and to have masses said for this guy, for this fiddler that he stole it from, you know, many masses, however mm-hmm. much it would have been worth. Um but what a friend said of Venerable Matt Talbot um, when he was young, Matt only wanted one thing. He wanted the drink. He wouldn't go with us to a dance or a party or to a school function, but for the drink, he'd do anything. You know, just the, the, the depths of habitual addictive sin where, where you will do anything. Because as we know with most addictions, substance addictions, it involves a, a change in your brain's makeup. The receptors are actually changed. So the dopamine is, is not received as well unless you intensify the substances that will then you know increase, you know, help some receptors, inhibit other receptors so that we get this dopamine rush, etc. So you, you always need more and more and more in, until you do anything because you the worst thing that can happen is you come off of this high. Because of course that 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 detox can be one of the most painful things I've seen people, mm-hmm. um, you know, coming off of heroin and when I worked in the prisons, heroin and, and, and crack. And it's just, it's not a pretty thing. They suffer so much and they'll do almost anything to avoid that coming off of the drug. And this works for substances, but it's also something that our, our body just gets in the habit of. So um, 
when he did clean up, and it took him decades to clean up, um, a friend said of him, um, he would pray as intensely as he used to drink. And so Matt Talbot literally replaced drinking with prayer. Um, and, and obviously we need to be skilled at prayer. That could be a bunch of different podcasts, but skilled at prayer in order for prayer to replace something that is as, as that feels as good as, as a substance addiction. Wow. Um, but of course this applies to any, any habitual sin. So any sin that we do, it is literally our body, whether it's our brain and the various receptors or just our body saying, I know what to do. If I get certain stimuli, especially negative stimuli. So in other words, we can have an addiction to gossip. And so I say, if I, if I go to work and my coworker is doing this and this and this, my body says, well, we feel anxious. We feel bad. So the, the way that we get rid of this, because it's worked in the past, is I call up these three friends and I gossip. Or I go talk to this other coworker about my boss and I gossip. And then I feel better. And so my body says, well, this is how this works. Our body doesn't have a moral compass. Our brain needs to bring that. So when our body gets in the habit of doing something like, like gossip or pornography or anything like that in order to deal with certain usually negative stimuli, then – we need our mind to come in and give our body a moral compass. And that's what Matt Talbot did. The way he did it, which was amazing to me as I was reading his story years ago, was that he literally, speaking of watchfulness, the first day he decided to get clean, he was just like, I'm just going to walk by the pub I've been going to for decades. I'm just going to walk right by it. And I'm going to go home. I'm going to spend the evening home in prayer. Walked past the pub, heard one syllable of one friend's voice. And his body could not control itself. He just turned and he walked in and he got drunk that night. So the next day he said, well, I can't even walk. I can't even come close. So he walked a different block and he saw a flash of neon from a bar and he had to walk in. And it, he ended up having to, to decide the route he'd go home from work, though he would not come across any sort of triggers that would make his body, after decades of giving into this, that would make his body do it. And it was, it was a spiritual practice, but also a practical. He had to use prayer instead of the substance, but he also had to do the incredibly practical, you know, courageous act of maybe taking two hours to walk home instead of 15 minutes because he had to avoid all of the triggers. And, and this was something that he had to do, of course, through perseverance and over the course of time. But this is, this is what watchfulness was. This is, in a sense, what the, you know, the Roman, uh, what, what do you call it? We, we did a podcast on it the, um, at the end of Confession. Oh, the, um, yeah, the act of, well, the act of thank you. Um, the act of contrition where it says at the end to avoid the, I firmly resolve resolution. Yes, exactly. Resolution podcast. Yep. Um, so there was a, uh, with, with the, uh, to avoid the near occasion of sin. That's exactly what he was doing. This is in a sense, what, what watchfulness is. It's that guard the door of our hearts to making sure that we're, you know, we're not letting in the things that, that we, and that that's very humbling. It's Mm -hmm. very humbling actually, because you got to say, I'm not strong enough to deal with these very certain surface stimuli. You know, I've gotten to the point where I am a slave to them. I'm a slave to these temptations as they come, whatever that means. Uh-huh. And so I have to humble myself enough to say, I need God. I cannot do this without you, Lord. But I also need to be watchful in, in my own participation in God's action of freeing me from these this sins and this temptation. Um, what, what if you, I mean, because I, I know a lot of people that are trying to like keep themselves clean, keep themselves pure. And it doesn't matter if it's alcohol or sexual temptation or, um, well, food. Right. Um, what if, what if your, what if your addiction prevents you from entering into community? Like your friends, like you said, your friends go out and drink. Right. So then 
you can't you can't enjoy the same th- things they can. This girl that you're talking about, who can't listen to the podcast because of whatever. Right. Like, um, how do you deal with your own exclusion from community? But then, how should that community reach out to you? In your opinion, yeah. I mean, I, I think in each instance is different. So there's there's times when somebody has to leave the community. I mean, it has to be has to be fate. You know confident enough in themselves and their own personality and in God's guidance that they will find new and different friends because it's more important for them to remain healthy than it is to remain with these friends. Now, of course, if that's the case, good friends will understand that and good friends will say, yes, yeah. we care more about you than we do about your friendship with us and we don't, we don't want to help make you stay with us out of selfishness. Or like, the environment in which we interact. Yeah, and and so we, you know, as we support you in your separation, in the boundary that, that is required. Now, if you have one or two friends that are able, if they're not addicted themselves, to say, look, we still want to maintain this lifestyle because we can in, in moderation, but we're also going to make sure that we spend some time with you without any drinking or whatever the situation is that we might fall into. And if, if they're strong enough in themselves to not only love you enough to support your boundaries and your separation, but also to, if they can, to be strong enough to say, I will participate in this new lifestyle with you and support you in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I, but the other thing too is if your friends are not strong enough to do that or strong enough to say that, you do have to separate. You do need to be the strong one and, and, and move away and say, you know, out of love for you guys. I mean, I, I remember I had a girlfriend that, that took up smoking while we were dating. And then so I knew her before she, she had smoked earlier in life than when she was not smoking when, when we were dating. And then she started smoking because of stress. And so, We'd, we'd hang out all the time. So all of a sudden she would say we'd be in a restaurant and she would say, I'm going to go out for a smoke. And the first time she did this, I was like, okay, well, let, let's go. And she's no, 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 you, you stay here. In other words, I don't want to associate smoking with having you close. So in other words, I want you to say, if you're going to go smoke, then, then I have to do it alone. So, so she was making, she was telling me, I want smoking to involve loneliness i want it to involve the sort of suffering so that i can get out of it i don't want the companionship while i'm smoking or that'll make it even harder to stop and mm. and i thought she was very aware of of her desire to stop smoking and also that she wanted to associate smoking only with negative things so it'd be easier to quit and so i literally i don't know how many times i would i would just sit in the restaurant by myself eating and she'd go out for smoke breaks and come back in and and you know and then say well thank you wow. and eventually she did quit actually it was funny what made her quit was she and I went into this store one time, and when we came out, these Girl Scouts were selling Girl Scout cookies, and you know, talk about addiction. I just, I just, I just saw the table. You know, back when I was in college, I saw the table, and I was like, oh my gosh, I need to buy these Girl Scout cookies. Well, she walked up, and she had two packs of cigarettes in her hand, and one of the little girls just looks at her and goes, "Smoking's bad for you." And my girlfriend had such a soft heart that she was like. Oh my gosh, you're right. I'm so sorry. And right there, she broke up with one of those cigarettes and threw it in the trash can wow. right in front of the girls to show them how dedicated she was to this. And she just forgot she was holding them. And it was it was a good moment. And it was it it, it took much more than just me not hanging out with her when she was smoking. But it, that that was her boundary that she understood, I understood, and we were both desiring virtue enough to to form that separation but it really does matter are your friends strong enough to respect the boundaries or are they not you need to separate either way it'd be nice if they could support you in that but usually i don't think that's the case especially if all of you are immersed in the same thing we get we get kind of jealous if we see one person leaving the community one person trying to break free of that and oftentimes our our selfish humanity will kick in and say 
you're, if you leave this community, if you leave this addiction, then that makes me feel bad. Yeah. about my addiction. If you stay in here, then I always have a reason, well, this guy is addicted to this too, or this girl's addicted to this too. And it, it just brings us back into the community. We, we drag each other down. Hmm. Well, like, I, I don't know if, if they also cover that in terms of like Al-Anon, like the families yeah. of people with addictions. Yep. But, um, you know, like if a family can't, if a family can't have alcohol at their, at their whatever, yeah. you know, graduation party because of, you know, Uncle Bill or Dad or you know a cousin or something like that. Right. Um, how do you deal with that? See, I, I think I, I would if I was counseling somebody, I would say if you're if you're having a big event and you want to have the, these things at the event, uh-huh. you you have to decide. In other words, if if I'm going to give those things up for the sake of a family member. Is that something I actually want to do? Because if you don't, you'll just become bitter. I mean, you'll you'll say we we can't th- literally. This person's addictions are bringing me and my family down, and so I think it's 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 a, an immense virtue, and I would commend anybody for not having alcohol at a wedding because of a family member. Yeah. But I would not require that of them. You know, yeah. I, w- I would say if if you if you want to do this, and whenever you when you're at the wedding and you say I'd love to have a drink right now, but I'm not going to because I'm sacrificing out of love for this family member, then that can be a great time without the alcohol. But if you're just going to sit there and 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 complain to yourself <laughs> and become embittered that I have to change my whole life because of this family member, then honestly, you know, you know, explain to the family member that we are going to have alcohol there, you know, and and just say we we this is an important part of our our community's festivities, you know, and, and I, I don't think that's a horrible thing either. It's not choosing, it's not choosing alcohol over a person though. I, it could, I certainly see how somebody could see it that way, but I think it also depends on the person who's, who's the addict. In other words, Hmm. it's, it's, if, if you do have an addiction, like we all do in sin, but it's, it's important. Like if I had a debilitating addiction and I, I would hope that then I would go to my family and say, look, Either way, no more crystal meth yeah. at the Christmas party, Grandma. <laughs> the work party. So, in other words, the, so I would say to them, you know, if I'm in my right mind and if I'm, I'm, you know, able to see all these things clearly, I would say I also don't want to inhibit what you normally do. So, it, yes, in one sense, it's choosing alcohol over the family member, but in another sense, if the family member is, I mean, it just sounds weird, but it's just so subjective. But if if they're just mean spirited and they're trying to be manipulative, I mean, a lot of times people with with hardcore substance addictions are also very manipulative because yeah. they've had to become that way. And, and, and sometimes it's not even their fault, but they are. And you also don't want to become, you know, a, a doormat. You don't want to have to alter your life for this person, or that becomes enabling, you know. And so the, there's always that balance where I think if if you have these issues then go talk to a third party, to a counselor, to a priest, and every one of these situations is going to be slightly different. There's there's no black or white answer because you take all these things of manipulation, addiction, you know, joy, all, all these things into place when it comes to making these decisions. Hmm. Well, I think it, the way I see it, yes, thank you, Loon. Oh, la Loon. Um, harumph. The way I see it is that that like you said with this Talbot cat, okay? Yeah. He had to put a buffer around the the things that are normally just they're they're fine, you know? Mm-hmm. And we're not talking about, you know, like people that go out and get, you know, hammered every single night, but people coming together for a drink, a public house, a pub, okay? 
All right, that's not bad, but he had to form a buffer around that. Yes. Okay. But then if somebody said, hey, you know, can you walk me to my house? And then if somebody else says, no, I can't, because that's going to take me into a danger zone, Yeah. you know? And it's like, yeah, but I'm afraid of going to my house. Yeah, but your house is right next to, you know, like a, a crack house or right. a dealer or, you know, whatever else. At what point is it's like, is your... Uh, is your need to be secure greater than my need to um, to to also be secure? You know yeah. what I mean? That that's a tough one. Um, I I do think that should inspire us to fight off addictions. When those we should say my addiction can actually like in that way or other ways really. Alan will tell you can really harm. Those I love. So when my addiction is harming those I love, that should be an inspiration to climb out of it. But when you have community and you understand the nature of addiction, most addiction when it comes to substances is a disease. I mean that that that's a that's a hotly debated yeah, thing, but yeah. but it, it's something that you are that you are incapable of changing. Um, the uh, this is another quote from Matt Talbot, Venerable Matt Talbot. Never be too hard on the man who can't give up drink. It's as hard to give up drink as it is to raise the dead to life again. But both are possible and even easy for our Lord. So in other words, those who are really caught in these things, as he says, it's as impossible as raising from the dead, but raising someone from the dead is possible for God. So, you know, that's one of those instances where I think you need both parties to be able to say, we're going to have to both sacrifice, whatever that means in the instance. When you're walking somebody home, maybe, you know, I can only walk you home halfway, or, you know, because yeah. I can't go on the same block as well. I'm, I'm going to have to sacrifice for you by only going halfway. I'm going to have to sacrifice for you by walking half the distance yeah. on my own, you know. Or we won't, we won't order drinks. We won't order drinks with appetizers or, you know, but maybe after appetizers you leave. Yeah, you exactly. Know? And and we want you to be part of the community, but we also don't want your need to be secure to dominate everybody else's um the fact that they they're not. Right. They don't have the same problem, right. you know? Th- those compromises show the true value of real community. Yeah. If the community is able to say we we are we're in a sense only as strong as our weakest member, and to say we are going to to make sure that the community is first. And what that says is that we're not going to allow manipulation and enabling, but we're also going to allow sacrifice in order to build the community. Yeah, that that's a good way of putting it. You know, you make those compromises for the sake of the community. Good. All right. Uh, real quick, the, the 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 way to kind of test this in the beginning is according, especially the Eastern mindset, is is with fasting. Of course, this is what fasting is. Fasting is being guided by the church primarily to say, if I can allow myself to be watchful and to avoid the habits of small things, then I can become stronger to avoid the the stronger habitual things. Um, so for instance, in, in the Byzantine great fast, so the 40 days that we prepare for Pascha or for Easter, um, the first All Souls Saturday, so we in the Byzantine church have five All Souls Saturdays. Um, you know, you guys have one Day of the Dead. We just <clears throat> actually celebrated yeah. that. Um, we have five All Souls Saturdays, and these Saturdays are celebrated almost in a row. Most of them, the middle three, are in the Great Fast. And, and the reading is from Luke. So this is the beginning of the Great Fast. The reading is, Be on guard, so that your hearts are not weighed down with dis- dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life. That way, and that day does not catch you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times. 
praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man, who is, of course, Jesus. Then the end, we have during Holy Week, the first three days of Holy Week, we celebrate a service called Bridegroom Matins, where we remember the bridesmaids with their oil who are watchful and who are awaiting the coming of the bridegroom, who is Christ. So the beginning and the end of the greatest fasting season are both about watchfulness and prepared. And so if I say I have this habitual addiction and I am incapable of being watchful, like I'm just not strong enough in my weakness, I'm not strong enough. So I say, well, to, in, order, in order to lead up to that and to participate in Christ's grace, I can say the church says you have to fast from meat on Fridays. So that might be easier or hard for me, but I can be guided by the church to say, if I can go one meal or ideally the whole day without eating meat, I'm literally building up, in a sense, character, but I'm building up virtue of myself to say, when the temptation comes, I can fight off small temptations. And if I allow those myself through through intentional fasting, this is something I choose to do. Yeah. And, and, and I can choose to fight off these temptations and I get better and better and better at that. Pretty much what happens is my body gets confused. So if I, if I say, if I walk through the campus and I see all these pretty girls and my body says, what do you do with this? And I say, well, I go home and watch pornography. You know, that's one thing my body thinks it knows what's best because I've given my body that for a while. What I need to do is I need to come home one day and not look at pornography. And all of a sudden my body goes, well, I thought this is what we did. And you say, yeah. nope. And so as long as my body is confused, that's the, the beginning of hope for purging myself of these habitual sins. My, my body thinks it knows what it's want. If my mind can confuse it and cannot give in <clears throat> once, every time I don't give in is a huge success. And every time I give in is a huge failure because my body is thinking it's learning what to do. Because it has, again, no, no moral compass. So I need my mind to do that. So avoiding those sins. So fasting, especially the fasting that is guided by the church, can prepare us to fight off temptations through watchfulness and the small things so that when the larger temptations come, or even if they continue to come, I can get better and better, better spiritually through Christ's grace and practically through my efforts that participate in Christ's grace and purging myself of these sins and these temptations, habitual sins. Sounds like the dog whisper. You got to like show it who's boss. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you just keep telling your body or your, or your soul or you know your passions. Yeah, do whatever you want. You know, think right. of, think about a teenager. Think about a kid that just says, "Yeah, do whatever you want." Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like you say, "No, you can't do that." And then at, what's it going to do? It's going to throw a temper tantrum. Yeah, you know, at first. Right. So, and it's going to do that. You know, your passions are going to do that to kind of say, um, "You give us what we want, or we're going to hold you hostage." Yeah. And so you really have to you have to check it before you wreck it persevere through your bodily temper tantrums. I like that. Yeah. And I mean, and even like, I like what you're talking about because the situations will always present themselves. You know, you'll go through stress, you'll go through, you know, anger, you'll go through loneliness, you know, like that whole halt, right? you know, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, you know, you'll go through those phases where it's just like, okay, well then what do I do whenever I feel those things? You know, well, I do, I do this. Okay. Maybe now you don't do that. What would you do? Right. Well, I would try this. So then the next time you actually have a game plan exactly. for when it comes around and then you say, all right, I'm going to try this. Yeah. That, that game plan is incredibly <laughs> important because watchfulness can seem exhausting. Like, do I always have to be on point? Do right. I, oh, can't I rest? And the funny thing is that the fathers of the church will tell you that watchfulness leads to stillness, which is, which is odd because watchfulness seems so 
urgent and 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 so you know i'm persevering through effort but but it leads to a true rest in god's will so therefore it leads to true stillness that stillness is rest so i think you're right if we have a game plan of like saying i need an escape i know this day's going to be crazy at the end of the day i'm going to be tempted to go to my escape which is yeah. you know, pornography gossip you know tv whatever TV. it is and i say well instead of that i'm going to already have something ready to go so when i get home my 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 healthy escape which is reading a good novel which me watching a good movie, you know, a nap, you know, whatever calling it is, a friend, yeah. calling a friend. Exactly. I, I have those things all dialed up. So it's actually easier to do those things than not. I, somebody told me, you know, like a lot of people that are trying to watch their weight, <clears throat> they'll just, what they do is when they get hungry, they'll just go to the fridge and open it up and they'll just eat the easiest thing that that's to consume, which is usually unhealthy. So what you do is you prepare <laughs> healthy snacks like so you don't need to take five minutes to repair it you can really reach, reach into the refrigerator and grab something already prepared and healthy so that it's just ready to go because when you need something quick you need an escape whatever it is you're going to go to the easiest and quickest thing and if you can prepare for that by making good things quick and easy then it can make the fighting off those temptations much easier you're telling me that my marshmallow and mayonnaise sandwich isn't is 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 easy to prepare that sounds absolutely horrific. yeah well you know what like you haven't melted you haven't melted marshmallows okay over a stovetop that sounds good actually that's disgusting <laughs> just leave out the mayonnaise all right good job i like that thank you a lot of good a lot of good pointers there appreciate it you too father nathan thank you all right so shout outs this has nothing to do with addiction this has nothing to do with the fact that like you know i know nothing about this person good disclaimer um so, I mean, now we have ended the addiction podcast, but you are getting a shout out in the middle of the addiction podcast. So I was at Starbucks the other day and um, I was supposed to meet somebody and uh, I, they, they were late. So I just went ahead and I was like, forget it. I'll just go ahead and order. And so I'm ordering. I'm in my collar. And then this lady just goes, she goes, um, are you uh, are you a priest? And I'm like, yes. She goes, "Are you Father Nathan?" And I said, "Well, yeah, you know." And I and I didn't recognize her as a parishioner. And she goes, "My, my, uh, let's see here. Her daughter's sister-in-law came to Cabrini to look for me, and I wasn't there. And she 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 had figured out that I was the priest down the street. And she's like, "Because you do this thing, like this podcast." And I was like, "Yes, I do. You know." Where's my discount? <laughs> um, and uh, and so she, so she came to visit at Cabrini and and missed out. So she's from Washington State. Her name is Julie Bellafuel. B e l l e f e u i l l e. That's a pretty name. Bellefoy. I don't know. However it's pronounced. Bellefoy. Um, and she is from Washington State, and her sister is Erica Murphy. And so her. Gosh, I mean, she, they're not even related, you know, because <clears throat> it's her daughter's sister-in-law. Okay. She listens out there. So Washington State, um, I don't know if you're a, uh, what would that be, Wildcat? Are they Washington State Wildcat or a, a Washington Husky? See, so you're thinking of the sports. I'm thinking of the Byzantine churches. We got one in Spokane and one in Olympia and one in Seattle. Yeah. Go check those out if you're naming those three cities. There you go. Nice to meet you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I missed out on getting a chance to talk to you. Yes. Next time. All right. Shout outs. Uh, Sarah Heckman writes in an email, I would like to request a shout out for my lovely Amy Raha. 
She has been serving as a mission in India since this past July. We keep in touch, and she mentioned that she still listens to the podcast in India. <coughs> and it is her birthday this month. I'm certain she would be absolutely thrilled to give her a warm hello. So warm hellos to India. Warm hellos and uh, happy Diwali. Um, there, the Diwali uh, holiday is coming up in India. Ah, so. I always wanted to go there for Holi. That H O L I. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but where they throw the the oh yeah the powder, the color powder. Like, yeah, that's really beautiful on everything. All right, um, instead we'll just do the color run. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's our our attempt at that. All right, one more before we go. One uh, more, Dave. Berla Camp says, "You've been major. You've been major companions as I try to wrap up a major house renovation project. I've been working away since June at making it home for my wife and our two little boys. Needless to say, it has been a long summer, and I've greatly appreciated listening to your podcast while I work. So, David, shout out to you and your your lovely family. Exactly, and I, I bet you never nailed." something in with a hatchet before <laughs> but we did we were so manly we could not find a hammer quickly so we used a hatchet to nail in the uh, right. the byzantine glory flag by my head all right take Yay. it down. take it down thank you all for listening catholic stuff podcast at gmail.com like us on facebook like us on twitter when we get that up and going again Later, listening. God bless you. Pray for us that we get better. Yes, Father Nathan, and me mentally better. <laughs>